Uh, great privilege to be here. Um, great honor to serve. Like Gabby said, our pastors, Stefan and Kylie, are away this weekend. Um, but we got a full house. We're happy to be here in the house of the Lord. And I just want to pray before we get started. I'm going to be bringing the word to you guys. We're still in our brand new series, um, which has been such a blessing, speaking on all things identity, purpose, um, giftings. And we've had some great words over the past few weeks where God has really been ministering uh, to our hearts. But I want to pray before we get started, all right? Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for this amazing Sunday morning, God. We thank you for this weather, Lord Jesus. We thank you because, God, even more uh, than the certainty we have that the sun will rise up is a certainty that you, God, are a faithful Lord, and you are faithful to your children. You are faithful to your promises, God. And we just praise you, Father. We thank you for everything that you've done in our midst, Lord Jesus. We just ask that your Holy Spirit would minister to our hearts this morning, God, that we would be open to listening and hearing your word, God, and following your voice this morning, God. Wherever it is you want to lead us, we want to be sensitive to your Holy Spirit, Father. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right. Um, Brianna, you're about to clap, eh? You're excited. <laughs> All right. We can clap. We can praise. We can give Jesus some praise. That's, that's okay. We're in church. This is a place to be happy. This is a place to feel joy, and I believe that truly. I'm, I'm full of joy when I'm here, when I get the privilege to preach to you guys. I got to be honest, like this week was a very long week for me. I did actually work this week just short of about 70 hours. So it was a very long week, and I even told my guy, one of my guys that works for me, I said, man, I'm going to preach on Sunday. I don't even know, like, <laughs> how I'm going to do this because I felt throughout the week, obviously, tired in a sense, but I've seen this happen. I'll share a short testimony where um, the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to tell you something about the Holy Spirit. If you are not familiar with the Holy Spirit, there's the, the Holy Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus Christ, and God's Spirit, which is the Holy Spirit. And as Jesus ascended up into heaven after his resurrection, he promised us this helper of the name Holy Spirit, that he would dwell in us. The same Spirit that resurrected Jesus from the dead dwells inside of us. In 1 Corinthians 3.16, Paul says that, do you not know that the Holy Spirit dwells within you and you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? And in fact, we are. And the funny thing about the Holy Spirit is he sees beyond our thoughts. He sees beyond our formal approach to God, our uh, nice words and our uh, attempt to try to figuratively um, pull something that we're not or a feeling that we're not really feeling. And the Holy Spirit, he sees that. He sees the depths of our heart. And he's somebody that's not just uh, a helper, a comforter, but he is also a friend. And he wants to develop that relationship with you. And I had an experience uh, a few years ago where I was doing really, uh, this really heavy work that I used to do. I worked, uh, I'm in construction, I'm in the construction business for, uh, if you don't know, um, I run a general contracting company. I work renovations and all that sort of stuff. But years ago, I was working for um, another guy and I worked with concrete leveling and I used to carry these buckets that were full of sand and uh, cement. And these buckets, each of them weighed about 30 kilos. That's about 60 some pounds, I think, each. And we had to carry two of those because if you carry one of them, you'd just be completely leveled out on one side and you might injure yourself. So I had to carry two of those. So I carry practically my own weight <laughs> times 100 a day. Um, 
And it was a really heavy job. And I, I don't know why I stuck around. I guess I was just really competitive. I just wanted to prove to myself that I could do it. So <laughs> I stuck around and I did become a professional in that trade, which was good. Eventually I left and I, I moved on to something else. Um, but while I was there on one of the days, it was super hot. It was just like this week. It was a super hot week. And I was feeling so drained. It was more towards the end of the afternoon. And I couldn't carry another bucket. I was done. And we still had a, a couple hours work to go. And I just remember saying, Holy Spirit, give me strength in this moment. I said, God, send your angels that they would help me carry these buckets. And I remember... Out of nowhere, this strength came upon me. And it, it just felt like something so supernatural because I was done. I felt like I had no more strength. And as I lifted those buckets, I could just feel like them. I, I could just feel those buckets becoming lighter in my arms. And that was the fruit of the Holy Spirit inside of me, the helper. And he wanted me to ask him. And in the same week, um, Throughout the week, for some reason, I was telling God, I was sharing with Gabby, I said, I, like, like, God, praying. And he's like, in random times of the day, I felt, like, so tired. And I just started praying in tongues, praying in tongues. And it sprouted out, um, you know, these prayers that, obviously, I couldn't understand because I was praying in tongues. And I just felt the Holy Spirit renewing my strength as I was, um, as I was praying and renewing my strength and renewing my strength. And even last night as I was finishing prepping my word and, and revising going over it, I just felt this joy and this energy from God um, where I don't know where it came from. <laughs> it's definitely God's grace and, and his helper working in my life and even being here today to be able to share this with you guys. And I'm going to be speaking a little bit about uh, God's grace and about how his grace embraces us, how his, how his grace constantly brings us back. The title of my message is uh, Grace of the Father. And so this message is not to uh, encourage you to continue uh, doing the wrong things and then just run back to God because his grace will constantly uh, draw you closer again. And even though there are many uh, theological branches and thoughts and what people believe is the right and the wrong about theology, there are things that um, beyond what's 100% black and white in the Bible, um, that we need to understand is that every theory and every theological approach, every branch of Christianity, if it's not preaching a message of sanctification and uh, living a holy life, then that's not the message of the Bible, okay? And I want us to understand that before we go into it. I want to read out of uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7 to 8. And it says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. And we're going to read a verse that, another verse that actually Cody spoke about it on MC last week. It's first, uh, first John chapter 3, verse 1. And it says, um, and I think it might be different. Do I, uh, did I, say, I don't think I sent that. Yeah, because in my version, the NIV version, um, it says, See what great love the Father has lavished onto us, that we should be called children of God. And now it's interesting that they use the word lavish, not just in the lavish of the love that was poured onto us, but also the riches of his grace that it speaks upon in Ephesians chapter 1. And the word lavish actually means to bestow something in generous 
or extravagant quantities on. To bestow something in great or extravagant quantities on. He's given us this grace and this privilege to be uh, seated in his table as children of God. And he's given that in extravagance. He's torn that veil so we would have full, complete access to God. And this word has been in my heart because I had an experience a couple of weeks ago, which I'm not uh, proud of. Something happened where I was... Um, I had a really old uh, minivan for work, and I had it, it was a few months ago, I was driving, and it broke down in the middle of the highway, super late, it was like 7.30, I was coming back from work, it was a long day, and it broke down in the highway in Barrie, like I was so far away from home, I live, from, I live in Etobicoke, and it just broke down in the middle of the highway, it was super cold, um, I didn't know what to do, obviously, like I called like emergency service, like I called like the OPP to close off that lane in the highway because I was literally half of my car was on the side lane and half of my car was on the side. Super dark highway. All these trucks are flying by my car, honking at me. Like, obviously, I wanted to be in the middle of the, of the highway, right? Um, and they're honking at me, and I'm like, wow. And then, cool. Later on, I, I changed cars. I got a new car. And I'm excited. It's a blessing. I've been wanting to change cars for a while now to, uh, uh, even for work and whatnot, to be more adequate to um, the things that I need to, to carry. And I was driving. I was on site, and I was driving past, and this guy was shooting gravel from a truck into um, these concrete uh, pits that were going to be, the, they were basically the, the, the foundations of the house, of the houses that they were building. It was a block of townhomes. And I was driving all the way on the other side. And this guy lifted up his, his plank where it shoots the, uh, the gravel, the stones. And he lifted way too high. And even though I was really far away, all of these stones, like 20, 30 stones at once, all over my new car. Boom, 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 boom. And right away, I just stepped on the brake. And I got out of the car and I smacked the box in the, like, like, like the box of the truck, like in the back, super mad. Right away, I looked at it. And I see the dents and I see the scratches on it. I'm like, oh, my goodness. And I drive full speed. I'm driving around and I'm, and I'm like, man, I'm going to get this guy now. Like, I'm going to. And I full on snapped at this guy, like lost control. And I saw the old me come sprouting up again. I saw the old explosive me. I saw the old aggressive me. I saw the old angry me snapping at this guy again and saying all sorts of things to him. Like, you're going to have to deal with this. You're going to have to. And then after, you know, I got back, you know, I took his number and I got back in a truck and I said, I got to figure this out. And the Holy Spirit came to me. And I saw it. And I was convicted of what I had done. And how that in any way possible did not reflect the one who lives inside me, the Holy Spirit. And I just felt so ashamed that day. I felt so um, upset. I said, wow, God, like it's been such a long time since I've had this sort of reaction with anything. But yet today, because of this material, uh, materialistic thing that comes and goes, I snapped at this guy. And I reflected a character that has absolutely nothing to do with the new Nikolai that you've restored, that you've redeemed, that you've brought to fruition, that you've given a new life. 
And I was so ashamed, and I prayed. I said, God, I just repent. I repent right now, Lord Jesus. And, you know, I came home, and my wife, so wise, she gave me, you know, a really good advice. She said, um, well, go back and apologize to that guy for the way you spoke to him. I said, you're right. It's what God wants me to do. And when you're, listen, I'll tell you what, my wife is a blessing, all right? And when your partner is aligned with God, it is something so powerful because they will also be led by the Spirit of God to minister to your life things that many times in your mind is clouded but that are so obvious and you don't see it. And she was able to just tell me, go in and ask him for forgiveness. And I said, <laughs> you're right. And the other day I drove back to the site and coincidentally he was there. He was doing some more work there. And I said, hey, man, this guy's looking at me like, oh, here he comes again. Like, I said, hey, man, I just wanted to say I'm sorry. That's not who I am. And that's not like the character that I want to reflect. And I just want to apologize for the way that I came at you, for the way that I snapped at you. And... He said, hey, man, like, these things happen. Like, it's okay. You know, I'm sorry for your truck, da-da-da. And at the end of the day, I saw that I was placing some form of value and idolatry on that materialistic piece of item um, that had nothing to do with where God wanted me to be. And it shifted even my heart because after that, to be honest, I didn't even ask him to pay for it. Like, I was going to be, like, on top of that guy, like, you're going to pay for it, you're going to pay for it. You know, the scratch, you're going to have to fix this, da-da-da. And I said, you know what, like, God, <laughs> like, you've taught me enough through this, like, through this experience. Like, I've seen enough. And I want to talk about my first point, which is the good shepherd. And many times when we think about these, these moments, when we, when we go through these moments where, where we distance ourselves from the character of God, where we distance ourselves from the reflection of who the Holy Spirit is inside us, um, it's so easy for us to continue to drift even more away and away and away. We start to drift further and we don't want to take the step to go and apologize to the guy who had just uh, uh, threw literally a bunch of stones in your brand new car. <laughs> and, but the way, and even I felt embarrassed, you know. I felt ashamed coming before God. Even though, even though I understand and I know God's word. But yet when it happened to me, and I give advice to people all the time, hey, man, repent. Yeah, I'm preaching about it today. <laughs> but when it happened to me, I felt ashamed in coming to God after knowing the truth of his word and saying, God, you know, forgive me. I fell short again. I'm ashamed. I'm embarrassed. I shouldn't have done that. It doesn't reflect who you are. But yet, once again, Psalm 103, I spoke about this this. Um, this verse a few Sundays ago, good and passionate Yahweh, slow to anger, compassionate God. And I was reminded of that and I came to him and in the same sense, I want to speak on this point. It says the good shepherd because that is what he is, the good shepherd. We're going to read out of Luke chapter 15 from verses 1 to 7. And this is one of my favorite parables in the Bible. And it speaks so deeply to me, and we're going to read it together. It says, 
All right, I think I'm going to read it from my own because Phil is really good. All right, got it. All right. It says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told this parable. This is Jesus speaking. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sentence. And let's look, at this, let's look at this parable. Let's analyze it together. What does he say when he finds that sheep that is lost? He doesn't shame it. He doesn't blame it. He doesn't condemn it. He doesn't uh, uh, persecute it. He doesn't humiliate it. What does he do? What does that good shepherd do? It says that he places that sheep upon his shoulder and he brings it back to the flock once again and he rejoices over that one sheep that was lost over the 99 that remained righteous and the good shepherd on that day he grabbed me and he put me upon his shoulders and he has done that countless times where I was that lost sheep where I strayed away where I got distracted where I walked away but once again gracious and compassionate God slow to anger he finds me and he met me where I was. And he placed me upon his shoulders. And he brought me back. And he rejoiced. He did not condemn me. He did not humiliate me. He, did not he didn't also incentivize me to continue to sin, to continue to walk away. He didn't encourage me to continue to get lost. But he placed me on his shoulder. And he brought me back. And he rejoiced. Over that sheep that was lost. We're going to read out of John chapter 10 from verses 9 to 14. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. He's talking about the good shepherd here. He says he's the gate. He's the door. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He who enters by me, he will be saved. We'll go in and go out and find green pastures. In uh, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all, do, all those who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. I will put upon you my yoke that is easy and my burden that is light. And he said, he, he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. And he continues to say, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own snatch, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But he's saying about his character, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own 
know me. And he doesn't just bring us back. He doesn't just bring the sheep that were lost back. But he gives us and he finds us in this place. And he brings us back to this place of green pasture, of rest. And in Psalm 23, it's a very well-known passage. A lot of us know it here. A lot of us have heard it uh, growing up. A lot of us, even outside of church, have heard uh, this passage so many times. But it's an actual prophetic prelude to what is to come in the character of who Jesus Christ is. And David has not, it doesn't even have any idea of this. But the, the Holy Spirit is already speaking through him when he writes this psalm. And he says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters. Who, who, who refers to himself as the eternal fount of living waters? Jesus Christ. Who promises eternal rest and abundance, life and peace, righteousness and joy? Jesus Christ. David in this psalm is speaking on what is to come prophetically through Jesus Christ, our Messiah, our Savior, Hosanna, the one who comes to save us. And he speaks uh, he continues to speak. He restores my soul in verse 3. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Those accusers, those who have accused you, those who have led you astray, those who have tried to distract you, he has prepared a table as a good shepherd in the presence of your enemies. And he continues to say, you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all of the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever, forever and ever and ever. And now if we analyze the parable of the lost sheep, and, and like the sheep that was lost, we also find ourselves lost over distraction. Not always, um, not always, but sometimes consciously and intentionally distracted by the intriguing things of this world. And something funny happened a couple of weeks ago. I was uh, going to a birthday dinner uh, downtown in Toronto. And it was a little later at night when we left. It was around, I think, 10 something. Uh, when we left, and I saw all of these people, like the streets were packed. It was a nice, uh, it was a nice day, and I saw all of these people, and they were either going drinking, they were going clubbing, or they were going out for dinner. I mean, whatever it was. But I, I saw my old self in them, and I remember um, going out, and I was a big like party guy. I would like I wouldn't stay home on the weekend. Now I feel like like an old man because I don't, <laughs> you guys will get there. I'll, I'm not that old, but uh, I feel old because honestly, come the weekend, I just tell Gabby, you know, Gabby's my agenda. I just say, what are we, what are we doing this, uh, this week and what do we have planned? And because sometimes I'll say, oh, we don't have anything planned? Nothing? All right, let's, uh, I guess we're going to have to stay home then. Uh, unfortunately, like nobody's doing anything today, so I'm just going to stay home. And anyways, Back to the point. I see all of these people walking and they're, they're, you know, they're with their friends and they're obviously going uh, either clubbing or they're going drink. They're doing something. And I saw my, my old self in those people. And you know what? I liked that life. I liked going out clubbing. I liked uh, the partying. I liked the nightlife. But ultimately, 
at the end of the day, when that high passed and I laid my head on the pillow and I walked and I woke up the next day hungover, it just didn't fill me. It just didn't fulfill me. It, it just wasn't what I thought. And it felt good in that moment. And it looked like it had some fulfilling result on that night. But the fruit that it, that, that it bore was not eternal. And it was not good. Because beyond what seemed really good also came with a few other things. It came with the excessive drinking. It came with the sexual immorality. It came with the drugs. It came with the cigarettes. It came with the nightlife. It came with not knowing sometimes how I got home. I, I, I'll be honest with you. There were nights where I didn't even know how I got home. I remember once uh, heading home in Brazil, and I was going through a favela. They're the slums that we have in Brazil. I don't even know why I walked in there, but I was walking through there. And I, the only thing that I remember is this guy offering me uh, drugs, and I was like, nah, like I'm good, like I'm just making my way home. And after that, that moment, for some reason, I can't remember anything else. I don't even remember how I got home. I just woke up the next day. I can certainly tell you that it was definitely an angel of the Lord that guided me home. But so many times I felt like I wanted uh, to have these experiences and they were good for a moment. But they came with something else. And it, it, it wasn't just a pleasing feeling. There was always more that came with it. There was always the anxiety after. There was always the depression after. There were the peak highs, but then there were the low lows. And all, uh, uh, there's a, a, a phrase from, there's a verse from Shakespeare where he says, all that glitters is not gold. And what really seemed to be good and what seemed to be valuable to me Truly, I saw that it wasn't. And it's actually, this is going to lead me to, uh, to my second point, um, where seeing these people and reflecting on it, and even on my own testimony, I came to the conclusion that I'm going to expand, uh, expand on now in my second point, where it says, seeking, found, or running. And I'll explain that to you. Uh, maybe you're here today. And you're seeking, you're seeking for something, a spiritual enlightenment. You're seeking to have an encounter with God. You're seeking a godly community. You're seeking something here. Maybe you found it. Maybe you found God. You had an encounter with God. And this message is to remind you of the place that you have in the Father's house. And of the grace that has embraced you and that has taken you back. And that even if you distance yourself again, you have this place. You have this um, access to the Lord. And this message is to bless you also. But maybe, maybe you're here. And you don't want me to look directly at you. Because you've been running. For a long time, maybe you made your way here this morning. But you're running. And funny enough, about my own testimony. I've preached it so many times and I've spoken on it so many times. And the intent that sometimes, that many of the times I spoke behind it was that I was seeking something. And for most of the times I was seeking something. But you know what, I'm going to be honest with you. I found it very early uh, uh, in my life. I knew, I grew up in a Christian home. I knew the truth. I knew the purpose that God had set out for me. Maybe not as clearly as I see it today, but I, but, but, but I saw it. I knew it. I knew that I belonged in the house of the Lord. At five years old, I accepted Jesus in my heart through uh, a stomachache. My belly was hurting when 
when I was five years old and I said, Christ, I accept you into my heart. The pain didn't go away, but I still accepted Christ, which is great. <laughs> and so that was amazing. At seven years old, I saw my dad praying in tongues and he asked me if I wanted to receive it. He prayed over me and I was baptized in tongues. Uh, at seven years old, at 12 years old, I made the decision to be baptized and I was baptized in the waters, uh, declaring the newness of life that God uh, was to shine through me and through my life. But yet, what I was doing when I was led astray, it wasn't that I didn't know what I needed to do or where I needed to be. I was running. I wasn't seeking through my teenage years up until 18, 19 years old. I wasn't seeking something. I knew it. I had found it. I was running. I was running from the Lord. And you know why I kept running? Because I wasn't ready to let go. I wasn't ready to let go. Maybe you're here Sunday after Sunday and you're flirting with the place that God has called you to be. For countless weeks, countless months, countless years, like myself. And I kept on running because I wasn't ready to let go. I had an experience with a guy about four years ago. And funny enough, I was going through my text uh, with him four years ago. And we were walking together. I was kind of praying with him. And he was really struggling through a toxic relationship and sexual immorality. And he wanted to get out of that relationship. And he knew what he had to do. And he knew the steps that he needed to take. And countless times, we'd pray together. I declared, and I was looking through even uh, uh, when I sent him a verse. It's one of my favorite verses, Romans chapter 8, verses 15 to 17, where it says that we've not received a spirit of slavery to fear once again, but we've received a spirit by which we cry, Abba, Father, the spirit for which we've been adopted into sonship. And I remember declaring that verse over him, and I saw the date on it. It said May 27th. It was just short. It's four years uh, and a week ago. And I remember one day I, uh, uh, we were on the phone, and he opened up to me, and he said, dude, you know, like, we're back. Like, he got back to the relationship, and things were really going terrible, like sexual morality again, like very, uh, really toxic fights, very unhealthy relationship. And I remember him saying to me, I just feel there's this darkness inside of me that's consuming me. And you know what he said to me? I feel like I'm not ready yet to let go. <laughs> I'm not ready yet to let go. And the reason why we don't many times move forward in our lives with God, in our walk with God, is exactly because of that. It's because we're not ready to let go of the old life. We're not ready to let go of the old habits. We're not ready to let go off of that toxic relationship. We're not ready to let go of the habits that draw us away. We're not ready to let go of the friendships that drew us away from God because we're scared that God can't provide us with a new community, with new friendships, with new circle of people that will bless us, that will edify us, that will lead us into the place that God is leading us to. And again, it's back to that word, we doubt that God is who he says he is. We doubt that God can do what he says he can do. And for much of, uh, uh, of, of my time, I knew it. But I was constantly running. And to live a life for God, there's only one way. You got to let go. You got to let go and you got to let God. 
You got to get rid of it. You got to get rid of the old life. You can't bring it in. I can't live a life preaching here on a Sunday, preaching to my guys, praying that God will lead me to baptize my employees. That's a, a dream of mine to see some of my employees being baptized, being uh, uh, coming to Christ. Uh, but I can't preach that word if I'm still attached to the old life. It says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It's, uh, yeah, it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 to 24, it says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them and due to their, their hardness of heart, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice of every kind of impurity. But that is not the way that you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, Look at that, to put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life. Not the life that God has, re has redeemed you into. Not the life of sonship that God has adopted you into. But it belongs to your old manner of life. And it is corrupt through deceitful desires. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And I want to ensure you that no matter how distant you are or how distant you might get from God, I just, I want this message to remind you that there is a place in the house of the Father. And that is my third and final point. There is a place in the house of the Father. And it's not to say, like I said in the beginning, that you would continue to sin and come back. That you would continue to sin and come back. But God has given his son as a ransom that he would die on that cross for our sins. But as he resurrected and ascended into heaven, he sat at the right hand of the father as an advocate for his people. Interceding for his people that when we would fall short, that in our moments of weakness, we would have a father and a covering upon us that would allow us to come back. That would allow us to not be um, excluded from the flock. But that would allow us to, to, to come back. And we don't just come back on our own. It says that the, the, the shepherd seeks to find his sheep and he puts it upon his shoulder and he brings it back. And I'm going to talk, I'm going to end with um, this last set of verses here. Um, to Matthew 25, it's a parable of the prodigal son uh, from verses 11 to 24. We're going to read it uh, quickly. And says, and he said, there was a man who had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, father, give me this share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey far into the country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, 
a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything. He came from receiving an inheritance. He found it. He knew it. He knew the place that he belonged to, but he receives this inheritance. And he, what, what he does is he's indulged and intrigued by this life that he wants to live, that he takes it and he squanders off to a life of reckless living. And he comes through um, a pit. He comes through the bottom of the wall. He comes through a bottom of his life. You know, he's hit rock bottom and he's now eating with the pigs. He leaves the house of his father and the prosperity and the provision of his household to eat with the pigs. But it says in verse 17, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's servants, uh, of, my, of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. Remember the definition of compassion? I spoke about it a few uh, Sundays ago. It's a desire to ease or alleviate the stress or pain of that person that we see. It's not just empathy. It's not just the father saw him and he said, wow, I feel really sorry for you, son. No, his father ran to him. He met him where he was to say, it is my desire to ease your pain right now. Um, just as, 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 as the good shepherd went after that sheep that was lost. When Paul before he was Paul, his name was Saul, and he persecuted Christians. And as he's on, a, on the road to Damascus, he's not going to church on a Sunday. He's not going to a, a worship night. He's not going to spend time with God. He's going to persecute the followers of Christ. But Jesus, oh good and passionate, ever so gracious God, slow to anger. He meets him, the good shepherd. He meets him halfway. He meets him halfway and just as this prodigal son walks away and he's uh, far off, the father, uh, it says the Bible that his father saw him from far away and he ran to him. He felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to the father, I have sinned uh, against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And just as ourselves, we feel ashamed in coming before God as a son, as a daughter. But the father said to his servants, quickly bring the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost like that sheep, but is now found. And they began 
to celebrate. They began to celebrate. When the Father meets us halfway, when he meets us where we are, he doesn't condemn us, he doesn't shame us, he doesn't humiliate us, but he places us upon his shoulder and he brings us back home to celebrate and rejoice over that one sheep that was lost but is now found. And he doesn't just bring him back and say, now you're going to work for me. But no, he says to his servants, bring him the best robe, cover his shame, cover his nakedness, cover his uh, uh, embarrassment, cover his dirt right now. And that represents the blood of Christ shed on that cross that covered us and has washed us to be presented by God, uh, before God holy and blemishless, as white as snow. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. He covers, the Father comes and he covers his son. And not just that, but he gives him a ring, reinstating and reaffirming his identity in his household. You are an heir of this household. You have an authority in this household. You have a place in this household. As I was praying here on today, this morning, I was praying and I prayed on each and every individual seat. And as I approach seat F9, if you're seating on seat F9, I know it's up there, throw, third row from the bottom up. I don't know who you are. If you want to look at the seat, F9. It's there. I know it's dark. I can't see you. But I don't know if it's you. Um, but the Lord just said to me, he's reinstating your identity in the house of the Lord. He's reinstating your identity in the house of the Lord. Come back. Stop running. He's reinstating. And as this father, he comes and he gives this ring as an affirmation of his identity in this household. And not just that, but he brings shoes. Because in those times, in that culture, those who didn't wear shoes were either slaves or they were servants. But Jesus says, you are no longer servants for a servant does not know his master's business. But I have now called you friends. And I've accepted, I've welcomed you into my household. That you would cherish in my inheritance. That you would cherish in the promises that I have for you. Come back. Stop running. I, maybe you're here and you're seeking. And I'm here to tell you a biblical conviction that he died on the cross for you. So that you don't have to uh, uh, wander any longer. You don't have to be a lone sheep. Squandering and lost and confused. There is a place for you in the house of the Father. Come in and come out. His name is Jesus Christ. You will find rest in him. You will find green pastures in him. You will find uh, still waters in him. You will find everything that you need. You don't need the nightlife and everything that comes with it. You need Jesus Christ this morning. Amen. And this son, he comes back. Ha. And Jesus, the good shepherd, clothes him. Woo. And he brings him back to the household. In Isaiah 44, it says, verse 21 and 22, Remember these things, O Jacob and Israel, for you are my servants. I formed you. You are my servant, O Israel. You will not be forgotten by me. This is a godly and biblical promise over your life this Sunday. Remember this as you leave. You will not be forgotten by me. I have blotted out your transgressions like a cloud of uh, uh, your cloud, like a cloud in your sins, like mist, return to me, for I have redeemed you. Do not be ashamed. Come to the house of the Father. 
Don't be embarrassed. Stop running. There's a place for you here. I want to end with this verse before we pray uh, together. Psalm 139. It's one of my favorite verses from verse uh, 7 to 12. It says, where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. Whether you're here on a Sunday or you're at work or wherever you're at, uh, on an airplane, wherever you are. If you're in school, he is with you. He sees you. There is no running from it. There is no hiding from him. His eyes are upon you and his love and his grace are upon you. And I want to reaffirm that this morning it says, uh, where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed and shield, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there, even there, your hand shall lead me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not night to you. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. What does he say in Peter? Chapter 2, verse 9, he says, I have called you out of darkness into my marvelous light out of darkness. Maybe you feel like you're trapped in this cave, in this place of darkness. I'm here to tell you there is no such thing as darkness for the everlasting God, for the sun, for the, uh, 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 for the God of light, for the God that shined his light as a, and his word as a light onto our path. He's here to remind us, come out, stop hiding, stop hiding in Jesus' name, stop running in Jesus' name. That life's not going to lead you anywhere. Those friendships are not going to lead you anywhere. But you got to take the step. Amen. I want to pray with you right now. And I want to give two opportunities. If this is you, if this is your first time and you're committing to the Lord, to Jesus Christ for the first time. You heard this word today. And it wasn't my, my nice words. It wasn't what I said that convinced you. But something in your heart. There was a nudge in your heart. Let me tell you, that's the Holy Spirit this morning. And he's uh, speaking through his word, through the verses that we read together. And that he has a life for you. He has a place in the house of the Lord. And I want to give you this opportunity today. If you've never made this decision, if this is your first time committing and you say, I want to serve the Lord. I accept him as my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I believe that he rose from the dead and that he is alive at the right hand of the Father. I want to give you this opportunity. So with all eyes closed and every head bowed, I'm going to count to three. And if this is you and this is your first time, it's okay. We're here to walk with you. I know it seems crazy. I know it feels really weird taking that step. But I assure you, it's the best step that you're going to take in Jesus' name. All right, one, two, three. And if this is your first time, Jesus' name. Jesus' name.